and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. We don't know about you, but we've been getting winter in full force. We've had freezing rain and lots of snow the past few weeks. It's nice to be able to curl up with a new quilt project or a book, but we are counting down the days until spring. (laughs) So if you need a burst of spring to get you through the season, the spring issue of Quilts and More just hit newsstands last week, so check it out. We have a great episode for you today. We're sharing four common organizing personalities that quilters fall into. If you're having trouble getting organized, we'll walk you through how these personalities can help you finally get a space you're proud of and can be creative in. We're also sharing a staff member's most cherished quilt and have some audiobook suggestions for when you're sewing. Then we chat with Jara Brandvig. It's a conversation you don't want to miss. So let's dive in. January has us in an organization mindset, and quilters are more likely than some to have clutter and disorganization take over a sewing room or even an entire house due to the sheer volume of fabric and tools that quilters use. Recently, we worked with Deborah J. Cabral, a professional organizer who is known as the Declutter Coach, to develop four organizing personalities for quilters. I'm here today with the Art Director of American Patchwork and Quilting, Elizabeth Stumbo, to talk through the personalities. I'm so excited to be here talking about organization with you today, Lindsay. You know it's one of my favorite topics. (laughs) So if you are struggling with setting up a sewing space that works for you, it may be that you need to dive a little deeper into your organization personality. Out of the four we're talking about today, hopefully one of these will resonate with you so you can create an individualized system that works for you. A little note before we begin. Don't worry if you find yourself identifying with more than one organization type. Most people are a combination of two types, so you should think about mixing and matching storage and organization solutions to fit what you need. So Elizabeth, what's the first personality type? So the first is called Make It All Martha. So Make It All Martha views clutter and disorganization as the enemy, but she's moving so fast that she doesn't have time to deal with it. For Martha to be motivated to get and stay organized, she needs a fellow quilter to act as her accountability buddy. She also needs to make the organizing project fun or she won't want to do it. So enlisting the help of a friend and playing music during the process would make it enjoyable and help Martha focus on the task at hand. So here are some common characteristics of a Martha. She gets overwhelmed by stuff and commitments and blows off housework or other responsibilities to sew. She has multiple projects going, but none get finished. She tends to lose track of time and procrastinate. She always buys the latest tools, gadgets, and books. She not only buys the book, but everything that goes with it. Sounds kind of like some quilters that we know. (laughs) So if you're a Martha, here's where you should start. Begin by identifying the most stress-inducing space and start there first. 
So are your tools in several places throughout the room? Create order by putting like things together. With newly designated storage spaces, they will be easily easy to find when you most need them and even easier to put away. Pick something you're interested in the most. Do you love your fabric scraps? Well, dig in and get those organized. Schedule specific times in your calendar to organize your sewing items or room and keep this appointment with yourself. Small changes over time can yield big results. Start small, but start now. Great tips. A few storage solutions that the Marthas will love are Lazy Susans, pull-out drawers, and hooks, which are all perfect for organizing and are easy to use. And if you're going shopping, always opt for the simplest and easiest version of any tool that you are interested in. That's really helpful. So, Lindsay, what organizing personality is next? Next is Display Donna. Display Donna is generally detached from the abundance of items around her. She doesn't view them as clutter, they're just a fact of life. Because seeing is believing for Donna, for her to get motivated to become organized, she should look at before and after photos of others' organization projects. Creating a paper or a digital vision board with photos, images, and notes will help keep her inspired. Sharing photos of her success online will motivate other visual people to do the same. So here are some common characteristics of Adana. She keeps everything out and in clear sight because she believes out of sight is out of mind. She has multiple projects going on simultaneously and will complete some, but not all of them. She needs to work in surroundings that are beautiful, stimulating, and comfortable. She has too many books that she doesn't use and sometimes accidentally purchases items that she already owns. Quilters are visual people, so I can see how this personality type would be popular. So to get started, Donna's should pick a project, like organizing your books, that can be completed in one session. Sort and save only those books that you will use or reference. Organize them neatly on a bookshelf. Donate books you won't use. Clear, flat surfaces to create more workspace because flat surfaces are prime real estate for working, not piling. Hang a no-clutter zone sign as a reminder. Identify the first cluttered area that is visible when entering your sewing room. Declutter and organize this area and use it as a daily reminder of success. I love the idea of a no-clutter zone. Donna's will love using items they already have to organize, like baskets and mason jars. So if you're a Donna, you'll also be more likely to maintain an organization system if items are in containers, but easy to see in open shelves and clear bins. Great tips. So the next organizing personality probably describes both of us, Elizabeth. It sure does. So the next one is Organized Olivia. She's the least cluttered of the four personality types. Hers is situational clutter that occurs as a result of a specific event or project, such as a last-minute Christmas gift or a work in progress. For an organized person like Olivia to succeed, she needs to know exactly what she wants to do with her room, how she will organize every inch of her space down to each shelf and bin. Olivia hates leaving her well-organized room in chaos if she has to leave a project before it's done, making it hard for her to start a long-term project that will necessitate a mess. 
She likes everything stored in pretty, color-coded bins and baskets. She is likely to shop for organizing items at the container store or Ikea. And she spends a lot of time searching for fun ways to decorate her room and store items. This one is really hitting close to home, Lindsay. (laughs) So if you're in Olivia, start getting organized by labeling all bins and baskets. You can set up specific zones in your sewing room. Establish separate areas for your sewing machine, ironing, tools, notions, and fabrics. Then declutter your sewing room by going zone to zone to determine if you have items that you won't use again. You can donate anything you won't need. Here's a quick shopping tip for Olivia's. Organized people tend to go overboard when shopping for organizing products. So before shopping, make a list of only the storage solutions you need and only get the necessities. Decorative bins and baskets are great ideas. Okay, so we have one more to go. What is the last one, Lindsay? So the fourth personality is family-oriented Fran. Fran doesn't see the abundance of items around her as clutter, but as her best friends. The many personal items in her sewing room have special meaning, which makes her feel safe and comfortable. Because she is sentimental and emotionally attached to her belongings and projects, To keep from becoming overly cluttered, she needs to remind herself often that memories are not physical objects, but rather in her mind and heart. For Fran to be motivated to organize, she must start small and save the messiest space for last. Some characteristics of a Fran are that she's attached to her heirloom quilts and may buy vintage quilt tops. Her grandmother's quilts are on display in her sewing room, and she is first in line to get donations when fellow quilters are downsizing their stashes. Even if she hasn't used an item before, she truly believes she may need it someday. She doesn't decorate or organize her sewing room with items purchased at big box stores. Instead, she uses old furniture, bowls, hat boxes, or other family items to organize her space. Friends may have the hardest time letting go of clutter, so here are some tips for them. Pick three to five items in your sewing room that you no longer use and give them away. To make choosing what to keep easier, classify items as friends, acquaintances, or strangers. Give prime storage to friends and let strangers go. If you're running out of space to store or display completed quilts or other projects, Consider taking a photo of the completed work, then giving the project to someone who could use it. Fran should try to create a space to sew that feels like a retreat. Make it comfortable and fill it with meaningful things that will inspire creativity. For example, you can make a pincushion out of your grandmother's teacup and saucer. You could decoupage family photos on a box you you then use for storage. And most importantly, show respect to the items you have chosen to keep by purchasing appropriate size organizers and containers that are made of durable materials. So those are the four personalities. So which one or combination of some do you think you are, Elizabeth? So I think I definitely resonate with organized Olivia. I found that the most successful working, I am most successful working in a clutter-free space. So when I was designing my home sewing room, I actually spent hours researching storage solutions online and then went to Ikea with that detailed storage plan and shopping list in hand. How about you, Lindsay? So I think I'm a mix of organized Olivia and also the make-it-all Martha. So although I prefer my room to be clutter-free and everything to have a place, 
I'm constantly working on multiple projects at a time, and my space does get a little messy while I'm actively sewing, and that actually doesn't bother me. So I'm just going to give myself a little plug here, too. I'm actually decluttering my sewing room right now and have been since the beginning of the month. So if you follow me on Instagram at Mayland, I've been posting in my Instagram stories about my process and sharing a bunch of tips. And I've saved all the posts into my story highlights so you can catch up there. So I'll link to my Instagram in the show notes. I'd love to connect with you there and share my my own personal decluttering journey. Yeah, I've had so much fun following along and watching your progress as you (laughs) declutter. So just one more note about our expert who helped come up with these personality types. So Deborah Cabral has a syndicated television show called Organization Motivation, which can be seen on select TV stations across the country. And you can find her and many more resources at her website, decluttercoachdeb.com. Thanks, Elizabeth. So we'll link to all the resources in the show notes, as well as more about the personality types so that you can spend a little more time reading about each one. We'll be back after this quick ad break. Welcome to Getting Social. On today's interview, Joanna Bergerino, the editor of Quilts and More, sits down with Jara Brandvig of Quilting in the Rain. Jara is a quilter and designer from Seattle, Washington. She's a fabric designer for Lucian Fabrics, author of two books, and mom to two boys. She's incredibly talented, and we've had the pleasure of featuring her designs in our magazines. In this interview, Joanna and Jara talk about how she got her start in quilting, the quilt-as-you-go method, her latest fabric collection, Madame Fleur, and her love of antique quilts. We hope you enjoy this interview. Hi, everyone. I'm talking with Jara Brandvig from Quilting in the Rain, and she is a fabric designer for Lucian Fabrics. Uh, So, Jara, can you give me a little bit of background about your life as a quilter? Yeah, hi. Um, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Joanna. Um, So, yeah, I started quilting when I was 21 years old, and it all started with me walking into a local quilt shop. It was called Keepsake Cottage Fabrics, and I just remember stepping in there and just being in awe. You know, like seeing all the fabrics. I had never quilted in my life. I don't have anyone in my family that sews. And I just was kind of overwhelmed with all the fabrics. And at that time, like the pre-cuts, like charm packs and stuff, were pretty new, just coming out. And so I just started buying them and hoarding them and just taking them home to pet them and look at them. And my husband thought I was insane because I didn't even own a sewing machine. And then um, that Christmas, he bought me my very first sewing machine. And... It was a very crappy, <laughs> really crappy machine, no bells and whistles, and I don't blame him because we don't know, you know, what sewing machine to buy. There's so many hundreds of different kinds to buy out there. But I think that, um, so I started learning on that machine, and it was really challenging, and I think my stubborn personality, you know, I, I just tried to figure it out, and um, eventually when I got the hang of it, and then eventually when I got better at quilting, and I invested in a really good, expensive, high-quality machine, which is the same machine I still use today. I haven't changed it. But then it's like, if you, if you start with a crappy machine, and then you get a good one, then it's like you're instantly a pro. <laughs> out, of, out of curiosity, um, what yeah. type of sewing machine do you sew on? Yeah, so it's a Faf Grand Quilter. Yeah, and it's um, there's really no bells and whistles. It just does a straight stitch, but it sews like butter. Um, the stitches are consistent, and it can go really, really fast, which is 
I need that. <laughs> yeah, so, so sometimes that's all you need, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so I've loved all of your books, especially the ones on uh, quilting as you go. What inspired you to try that method, and how has it changed your approach to quilting? Yeah, so when I first got pregnant with my mm-hmm. first son, Ethan, he's now seven years old, and then I, after I had him, I just found myself, you know, trying to, you know, after I put him in bed at night, trying to get into the craft in the evening because it used to be a relaxing thing. Mm-hmm. But then I'd be, you know, up late at night trying to make these super precise measurements, and I kept just messing up, and it got to the point where it was so frustrating that I was starting to feel like I didn't like quilting anymore. You know, mm-hmm. like it was just, it just wasn't a very creative process. Everything had to be perfect, and I just I wasn't able, I wasn't capable of doing that at the time. And so um, when I had Ethan, I ended up um, leaving my my day job I was a project manager for a biotech company for five years and I ended up leaving there and I um, was nannying and then I was also um, working at a quilt shop teaching classes on the weekends and that's when I started toying around with the idea of quilting as you go and at first I started small you know like table toppers and things but then I I expanded the idea to make it bigger and you know to make bigger quilts and um the classes were really, really popular. Popular. They kept filling up because it was just it made quilting that could be such of a daunting task, and especially for people that are learning the craft that are new at it. It made it something that was more creative. It was just a refreshing approach. And um, so, my first book, Quilt as You Go, Made Modern, it really is um, a very creative way to quilt there's no precise measurements it's, it's like a style of improvisational quilting and so it was just a very um it was more of a relaxing just different way to quilt excellent do you find that um that improvisational quilting really frees up people's creativity or do they find it daunting at first i think that it's it really does free up the creativity because you're not starting by taking a bunch of precise measurements you can start with you know a, a thing of scraps and then you are literally just whatever you know inspires you at the moment you just take it and then you're you're quilting it mm-hmm. like as you go and um and so it's just really a it's a it's a different approach and it I think mm-hmm. it appeals to a lot of people because it's you know a different technique refreshing technique for seasoned quilters but then also people that are new to the craft it feels like okay maybe I could do this and you know I I love long arm quilting as well um people like having the option to finish the quilt on their own, you know, if, if they want to. Absolutely. I know um, when I read your book, it really inspired me to try it because I had never thought to try it before. Thank so, you. Yeah, and the, the first book, Quilt As You Go Made Modern, you know, that one's more um, the improvisational style. But then my mm-hmm. second book, Quilt As You Go Made Vintage, that one goes back to more of your traditional style box and shows you how to use the Quilt As You Go technique um, <laughs> and apply that to vintage style box. Yeah, it works in so many different quilts. So um, changing gears a little bit, your latest fabric release, Madame Fleur, is your fifth collection for Lucian Fabrics. What's your favorite part about designing fabric, and how do you stay inspired after several collections? Yeah, it's always funny because when I'm, I always, after I do a collection, then I'm always scared, like, oh my gosh, what if I don't think of anything, (laughs) you know, but... Um, so Madame Fleur, I was inspired by a recent trip to Victoria, Canada, where they have a lot of... Have you been there? Uh, I have not. Yeah, so it's just... Uh, one, so I'm from Seattle, Washington, and it's just a ferry ride um, north of Seattle. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just like 
being in another world, it feels like. There's a lot of Victorian architecture. They're known for their beautiful gardens, like Bushart mm -hmm. Garden. I visited Craig Derrick Castle. They have a lot of like high tea culture there, you know, at the <laughs> Empress Hotel. So I was really inspired by that. And then also I designed the collection during fall. So mm -hmm. the color palette of Madame Fleur is a lot more, it's probably the coziest collection you'll see of mine mm -hmm. so far, but it's really warm, um, soft color palette. Um, but yeah, so it has that Victorian vintage vibe. And that's typically, you know, all of my collections have been very different for Lessian, but that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I like designing for them is they let me do whatever inspires me at the moment. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I do keep consistent throughout all my collections is keeping the colors soft and elegant, and I like to say romantic too. Mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, I think the places that I visit, you know, a lot of my collections have been named after, so I'm from Seattle, like my last collection was called Loyal Heights, which is a neighborhood in Seattle, and I've um, done one called Woodland Rose, which is um, a garden, a rose garden right next to the Woodland Park Zoo in Seattle, and then I've also done the Connor, which is like a place where they, there's tons of tulip fields, so mm -hmm. really I'm inspired by my surroundings, and whenever I need to, you know, I need a dose of inspiration, I usually... My mom always tells me that I have an old soul, but I, I hit the antique shops. <laughs> yeah. So that actually takes me to my next question, which is I love seeing your antique and vintage collections in your Instagram posts. You. Uh, do you find that your love of vintage things affects your quilting and design process? Definitely. So, you know, when I first started quilting, it was I was really into a lot of modern style blocks, which are bigger blocks, and it's more there's more room for creativity with those. Mm -hmm. But then... As I started designing fabrics and I really started appreciating, you know, some of the vintage prints that I see on teacups and vintage fabrics and whatnot, I really started getting into vintage quilts. And what I love so much about them is just when you look at a vintage quilt, just their timeless effect. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you, it never gets old. Mm -hmm. And they, those are the quilts that become heirloom quilts. And we all know how long it takes to make a quilt. And you want this quilt to be a forever quilt that will always look good mm -hmm. and so you know that inspires me that's what inspires me so much about vintage quilts is their timeless effect mm -hmm. and so I try to apply that to the patterns and the style of fabrics that I make I want those colors to be timeless absolutely all right so we're going to move on to some rapid fire questions number one what do you listen to while you're quilting Ooh, so <laughs> it's, it's so funny because Quilting is such a wholesome like craft, mm -hmm. but I love listening to rock music. Queens of the Stone Age are one of my favorite bands. And when I'm not listening to rock, I'm usually listening to audiobooks. Mm -hmm. um, the Lore is mm -hmm. always one of my favorite. Um, have you heard of The Lore? Uh, I have not. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. like a mythical creatures. You know, like, oh, cool. You know, we've all heard of vampires, but it talks mm -hmm. about like how did those lore mm. stories come to be and oh. it kind of goes like the history behind those. So mm -hmm. I, I, I kind of geek out with that. <laughs> and then I'm also... Oh, what else? Yeah, I'm kind of a geek because, like, I love... I'm still trying to wrap my head around you listening to rock music. Oh, I love it. You won't believe it, but, you know, I'm from Seattle, and mm -hmm. when I met my husband, we were always, when we were first dating, we were always going to punk rock shows. We were always going to rock shows together. Like, mm -hmm. I was always wearing my band shirts, but, yeah, but now I quilt. You can quilt and like rock music. You're proof oh, yeah. of it. Yeah, so. you know, you need something to keep you going or else you're going to mm -hmm. fall asleep. True. Yeah, because I love I love a good audio book too, like historical romance, mm -hmm. which kind of plays a role in the style of fabrics mm -hmm. that I design, and then anything by Cresley Cole, Cresley, excuse me, Cresley Cole, which she's like mm -hmm. a paranormal romance author. So, awesome. <laughs> so number two, what is your current obsession? Obsession, um, probably vintage china dishes. You know, because I, it's 
I just love them. But then I also tell my husband that I need them for inspiration. <laughs> it's part of my research for my fabric. And, you know, I try to have them in my house. I have two little boys, um, a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. And, you know, I have my plate rack, and I have my cabinet full of red and white china dishes, and I have my little teacups and saucers hanging there. And so far, so good. You know, like, I've, none of them have broken knock on wood. Mm-hmm. But um, my littlest who's four, he did burn a hole in our couch, but that's a whole other story. This <laughs> <laughs> okay. As long as the china's okay. Uh, so question number three, what is your favorite color palette? My favorite color palette? Oh, that's a tough one, because like I said, if you've looked at all my collections, the, col- the color palettes are all very different. And so it all just kind of depends on what inspires me at the moment. Um, one color that you'll always find in my collections is some kind of hue of red. I love red. Um, but yeah, it just, it just all depends. Because like I said, you know, this collection, I designed it during the fall. Mm-hmm. I mean, autumn was definitely in my heart. So you'll see those rich, those rich soft colors, warm colors. But then like my last collection, Loyal Heights, I designed that in the summer. And it, there's lots of fruits and it's more of a cheery collection. So it just kind of depends on my mood. That's fair. And the final rapid-fire question is, what's a little thing that always brightens your day? Oh, that's easy. My kids. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they can drive me crazy sometimes, but they're... Burning holes in couches. Oh, yeah, the burning holes <laughs> in the couches, it's not, that does not brighten my day. <laughs> it's never too early for fire safety. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, they're funny. They always make me laugh, so... That's a great answer. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you. Anytime, Joanna. Yeah. I loved Joanna's conversation with Jara. Isn't she just the sweetest? You can stay in touch with Jara on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Quilting in the Rain. And she also blogs regularly at quiltingintherain.com. We'll link to everything in the show notes so you can find her and check out her fabric and books. Thanks everyone for listening in. We'll be back after this quick ad break. And I'm back with Elizabeth Stumbo for my most cherished quilt. Hi. So in 2020, we have a new feature story on the last page of every issue of American Patchwork and Quilting that we are calling My Most Cherished Quilt. So we know that there is a story behind every quilt, and we wanted to share these stories with you. So in each issue, we are asking one of our quilt design friends which quilt they own is their most cherished quilt and why. They may be quilts that they have made themselves that remind them of a special time in their life, an heirloom quilt that has been passed down in their family through generations, or a quilt that was gifted to them and made by a loved one. We can't wait to hear all the stories and share some of them with you in the pages of the magazine. But here on the podcast, we thought it would be fun to have our staff share our most cherished quilts with you and the story behind them. So my most cherished quilt is actually one that my mom made for me. So my mom is a phenomenal quilter, and she's actually made over 150 quilts just since she retired. Um, She made a baby quilt for my sister and I when we were each born. But then, you know, life got in the way. She got busy raising a family and teaching full time. So quilting just got put on on the back burner for her. However, she knew that she wanted to make a quilt someday using fabric from our baby clothes. So she set aside specific outfits until she had time to pick up quilting again. So for this quilt, she actually chose a classic Sunbonnet Sue pattern so she could incorporate our baby clothes into Sunbonnet Sue's outfits. 
It's a 12-block quilt, and each block represents a different calendar month. So, for example, the January block shows Sunbonnet Sue in a wintry scene. So my mom actually used scraps of wool, um, scraps from a wool coat I wore as a little girl. And in the month of April, Sunbonnet Sue is flying a kite in the block, and she's wearing what used to be my favorite neon pink and lime green windbreaker. Um, Please don't judge me. I am a child of the 80s, so you'll have to forgive my fashion sense. Although I guess the 80s are kind of coming back into style. So what makes this this quilt really special for me is that my mom also gifted me a small scrapbook along with a quilt. So in the scrapbook, she included pictures of me wearing the exact clothes that were used in the quilt. So now when I look at the quilt and I look at the pictures, I am reminded of so many special childhood memories from family vacations and holidays that we've spent together. My mom also made the same quilt for my sister, Kate, but it looks completely different because she used Kate's clothing. And then since the Sunbonnet Sue quilt only needed just small pieces from our clothes, My mom incorporated the leftover fabrics into a very scrappy quilt that she made for herself, and it has hundreds of little squares in it, and that is now her most cherished quilt. So I just love that all three of us have cherished quilts that kind of all have the same fabrics in them and the same stories and the same memories. So that is my most cherished quilt, and we would love to know what your most cherished quilt is and the story behind it. So feel free to share on Instagram and use the hashtag MyCherishedQuilt. Now it's time for Ask Us Anything, a segment where we answer your most pressing quilting questions. The question we're answering today came to us on Instagram, and I unfortunately am blanking on the username right now, so forgive me. So this follower wanted us to share some great audiobooks to listen to while quilting. I personally love listening to audiobooks and found that it really ups my productivity in my sewing room. Listening to an audiobook by working on a project, especially when you're doing a task you may not love, for me this is machine quilting, makes you excited to spend time in your sewing room and can keep your mind busy while doing repetitive tasks. You can get audiobooks from your library, through websites like Audible, and my favorite one to share with people is an app called Libby. It lets you check out audio and digital books from your library for free. So I always have some downloaded and on hold through the Libby app. So I polled our staff on some of their favorite audiobooks, and I'm going to share some of their suggestions now. Lilac Girls by Martha Hall Kelly. The Harry Potter series. Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. Educated by Tara Westover. Anything written by Nora Roberts. Girl Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis. Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. American Royals by Catherine McGee. And recently, I just listened to Homework, a memoir of my Hollywood years by Julie Andrews. It was read by her and was so interesting and just so lovely. Her voice is so soothing. So I highly recommend that book if you like celebrity autobiographies. And of course, earlier in the show, you heard Jara Brandvig share a few audiobooks she loves. So we'd love to hear what audiobooks you recommend. So reach out to us at apqpodcast at meredith.com with your favorites. 
Hi, all, and thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.